This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can use promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we talk about a battle for NL West supremacy. Excuse me. Sorry, I misread my script. NL West inferiority and futility rockies and diamondbacks clash in the desert for three games and we're going to talk about it with our good friends from rocks pile noah yingling and kevin henry noah on a scale of one to ten today's loss ten being a shocker one being completely expected (laughs) where would you put this one um absolutely no higher than a two i mean unfortunately you could just, especially there in the ninth inning, when I was, when Gritchick came up and after they walked Corona, I was like, okay, they showed the graphic, uh, Gritchick is five for seven against Melanson. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. It, it, game's over. Sure enough. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, it got interesting. It definitely did get interesting here in the 6-4 loss to the Snakes. Kevin. Series loss here, obviously uh, disappointing when you want to win, but uh, Rockies at least have secured last place. We don't have to dance around that. It's it's a tie for fourth. Now it's just fifth place. We don't have to worry about any fancy uh, verbiage to make sure that people understand where they currently sit. I, I think it just ups the game for next weekend series now when those Diamondbacks come to Coors Field. I mean, there's something to play for now. So, you know, I, I just – I, the drama, the humanity of it all. Get ready. Oh, the humanity. Yeah, Rockies oh, yeah. fall to 48 and 63, 15 games under 500. 4 and 13, I believe, since the All-Star break. I think they're probably now on pace for 70 wins, which is really where they were essentially projected to, to be at. Granted, we haven't had Chris Bryant here for a week and for – uh, I think the total probably is getting close to the 60-game mark as far as being on the injured list. He's missed more games than that because uh, the paternity list was three more games. So, you know, I, it does seem like they're, in general, uh, playing under under expectations here. But uh, this was uh, kind of a disappointing loss because Jose Urania kept them in this game. You know, they had a, a bit of a lead, and then the bullpen is really what kind of bounced them them from that. Were you surprised at uh, at Buddy's bullpen usage? Because it seemed like uh, there may have been some guys that, that could have been used in, in different spots. Was it just pushing the wrong buttons at the wrong time, or is that baseball? Uh, my opinion is Colomay's in a big funk right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. it it's been a rough road trip for him. So, But the unfortunate thing is, what do they have to choose from? Uh, you know, I, I understand bullpen usage and everything else, but at the same time, there's only so many guys that, that he can go to in that situation. Uh, I did find it interesting that they got Gomber up at least late. Uh, he didn't he didn't get in there, but at least got in late, uh, got up. So I was like, is Buddy going to try something a little different here? But never never materialized. And therein lies their problem is, I mean, entering today, Bard had been used uh, two out of the last three. Colomay, two out of the last three. Estevez, three out of the last four. Gilbreth two out of the last three. Who you, who do you go to after that? I mean, and then they, they still use column eight today. So it's uh, the Rockies have, and we, how many times have the three of us talked about it, whether on the air or off the air of for them to compete, they had such a thin margin of error. Yeah. And when you have uh, essentially for a team to compete, they have to have, 20 or 20, uh, 20, 21, maybe even 22 guys going all at the same moment. Right now, the Rockies don't have that. And really since probably mid-April, they haven't had that. That's why they aren't 
that's why they're playing like this. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. The lineup uh, outside of the bullpen, the lineup construction in general was a bit strange. There's that's been happening a lot more recently. Where uh, normally you don't necessarily have to look at the lineup, but he has the same guys in general spots. Maybe you see, oh, Iglesias is batting second today. All right. Uh, we know Connor Joe's been out of the, the leadoff conversation lately. So, you know, little tweaks or, oh, Diaz is hitting a little bit higher in the lineup. But today it, it looked a, a lot different with, with Charlie out of the lineup. Uh, we know uh, he needs his his days off and uh, just a couple other guys. So you had Daza McMahon batting second for the first time this year. Rogers, he might have bat there maybe one other time. Crone was hitting fourth. Grichik, fifth. Diaz, Montero, Hilliard, and Hampson. And... There was a name out there that should jump out because he's actually our DraftKings Sportsbook king of the game. Eleuris Montero was two for four, had a double, had an RBI, and according to our graphic, good kid. 24-year-old rookie here, having a great time, loving life. He really kind of broke broke out in a in a big way this, this series, uh, three consecutive day, uh, games against the Diamondbacks with an RBI. First career home run, first career RBI after running himself out of his first RBI in San Diego. I, and we don't didn't really talk about that in the post game last week, but he had a single and Daza was coming around to score and he kind of got back pick slide to first base. And so that wiped his first RBI off the board. So he did, he had to wait until Friday, but Montero, but he said he's going to see a lot more playing time or maybe more consistent playing time, which there's some variability in that, but he's played six straight days uh, since those statements have been made. So you have to love that, that this piece is getting right. I mean, we, we all love being a, a, a Monday morning quarterback or uh, if you will, a Sunday afternoon bench coach, we would all put Elias Montero in the Rockies lineup and the Rockies are not doing that. And for me, that was one of the things that I had said going into the trade deadline of, okay, obviously now we know they did nothing, but, it was like, okay, for Montero, he's got to get some more consistent playing time. At third base, you have McMahon, which now he's moved over to second at least a couple of times. You have Crone at first, but do you consider trading him? DH, you've essentially got Charlie Blackman there, and he has to get permission. So it was like, okay, what are they going to do? And at least so far, they've, A, put him in the lineup, and B, he's actually succeeded. So that's that's something that they they really needed to do, and that's one of only a few things that have panned out for them so far. Yeah, it's felt like this these last few games have been two themes. Number one, get Montero some playing time, which, as you said, has paid off. And the second is, what are you going to do with Ryan Man if you're going to get Montero playing time? You know, and I think we saw him at second base the other day and, you know, now up in the lineup. But, you know, Max swinging the bat pretty well uh, right now. He's turned that around, thank goodness. So uh, I, I think that they're still trying to figure out if Montero's going to be in there, how do they make sure that they get everybody else in there as well? And it's weird to say about the Rockies that you've got to figure out how to put everybody in the lineup. But but I think with Montero and Mac right now, it's a real decision for Buddy. And Connor Joe obviously is enforcing Bud Black's hand uh, for, for playing time like at first base. So you, you really almost have – five guys at four positions you got first base second base third base and dh and so you say hey, charlie's kind of in that one because i think we're going to see that we're going to see those times in which Montero's going to be in the starting lineup maybe crone's at first maybe he's dhing right maybe mcmahon is at second base and, and rogers is dhing some some combination or montero's dhing or mcmahon is dhing and one of those two are at third base and then you don't see charlie blackman there uh so i think you got five guys for those four spots and again that's not a bad thing he can you know, obviously keep everybody sharp uh, in a really nice way. And so uh, that's nice. I, you know, Buddy and, and uh, Rymac talked, I think, at the beginning of the San Diego series, and they sat down, and, um, you know, Ryan seemed a little bit more at, at ease and uh, played played pretty well in, in San Diego. And, you know, we had seen him take ground balls before one game at second base, but we also have seen uh, relief pitchers taking ground balls all around the infield, turning double plays. So sometimes you never know. Garrett Hampson for a while had a first baseman's mitt. And you go, well, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense. And it made sense to see McMahon at second base. But I think maybe in a way, you know, Buddy quite possibly could have said to Ryan, hey, look, here's how you can help the team. Go play a little more second base. 
You know, maybe even play a little first base. I think you'd rather have McMahon at third and Montero at first. But going and doing that's like that's how you can help the team. And already before he even steps to the plate, he knows that he's put his team uh, in a, in a better position to possibly win, and so therefore takes a little pressure off him, reduces that pressing that it seems to have been since he signed his big yep. extension in the offseason. And and that's one thing I was going to ask you because you were in San Diego, so you know. I think all of us that have been in the clubhouse have felt Rymac pushing a little bit. I think you're exactly right. But it feels like something switched a little bit, and he seems a lot more at ease. Do you think it was that talk with Buddy in San Diego that kind of flipped the switch? It seems like it because it's been so prolonged. Like we, We've seen guys who for two, three, maybe four days, things go well, and maybe they don't revert all the way back. But you go, all right, you, you played well for a couple games. This has been going on a little bit longer than that, and so I, I think there's – Definitely, some kind of you know understanding uh, now of of how you know how he can he can help the team and and not really worry about the numbers. He's not a big guy who really worries about that in the first place. Uh, he started helping himself out in July and stealing bases, which has been fantastic. He now leads the team uh, with seven. I've got a, a quirky stat to bring up here in, in just a bit about that, but yeah, I, I think he's he's calmed down a little bit and realized like you know he he is still one of the leaders of the team. And now with Bryant not being around. You mentioned San Diego. I literally didn't see Chris Bryant in San Diego because on Monday was when the foot business went down. He was pulled from the lineup. Uh, his stuff was around for another day. Uh, and then, you know, he's back in Denver, you know, getting his foot worked on for the plantar fasciitis and uh, getting that taken care of. So I think maybe in a weird way, there's one less person that's in the clubhouse that's, you know, um, McMahon has to say, well, you're, you're more of a de facto leader than me. Now he can just kind of maybe be himself a little bit more, get comfortable. Not that he's uncomfortable with Chris Bryant there. That's his locker mate. But they've never been to clicking at the same time, right, because Bryant's been hurt, uh, that I think maybe now we see, you know, uh, we see Ryan McMahon revert back to what we've seen in 2020, 2021, and he's just calm and really not trying to do too much. And that was one of the things, even in Milwaukee, the first series after the All-Star break, I was there. And if you remember in that Friday game, so the first game back, he had a very important at bat against Devin Williams. And Williams struck out the side. And we, meaning me and the other reporters and the TV, it was Kelsey Wingert who was there. Um, we went up to him and asked him so hey especially in that bat there with Devin Williams what did you see and he said I saw three fastballs right down the middle and I missed them and he he was being very harsh on himself and I even talked to Devin Williams and he said yeah because he including I think two or three games after that he he hadn't allowed a run and what ended up being 30 straight appearances and he said yeah, essentially of all of the appearances I've had that I talked to him on Saturday, he said, yeah, yesterday it was paraphrasing that I, I, I made some mistakes there and I wasn't really, I didn't really like my outing. I ended up striking out the side, but I made some mistakes, but they just happened to not hit them. And I mean, that's been, unfortunately for the Rockies, a big theme in general this year. And even the last few years of just hitting in the clutch spot there. Like I said earlier with there in the ninth inning today is like, okay, Grichik might be five for seven, but until, and even for fans until they show as a team that, okay, we can hit in some clutch situations, then people are going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever game over. You can only go so far with that statement of we just got to play better, which is something we know we heard a lot last week, yeah. you know, from from general, general manager Bill Schmidt. And I think, you again, you can look at, at the roster of players and say, well, if this guy, you know, were to make typical growth or if Connor Joe were to continue to play like, you know, we saw him for 35 so games at the end of last year. And can you build on all of these things? And if everything does go right and everyone does play well, you can get hopeful, but at the end of the day, there there is a certain level of well, you know, this this can be somewhat of, of what you can expect. And what you can expect from us at the DNVR.com is nothing short of our best. Man, football season's coming up. We already have our first tailgate, a big old Broncos tailgate going down. You can get tickets for that 
uh, dnvrlocker.com. If you're a member, you get a price break on that. We got sliders now this year, so we got got burgers. That that's going to be nice. That's going to change the game just a little bit. When the bar gets back open here in, in a couple weeks, you know you get that member size beer. An annual membership gets you a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. So. Even if you are a loyal DNVR Rockies listener, we know you're very curious about the other sports here in town. And so you get all that Nuggets, Avs, Broncos, you name it, all in one spot at the DNVR.com. And now, all of your cold, hard cash can be found over on DraftKings Sportsbook. You bet on your favorite sports all summer long, gear for football season right now. New customers get a risk free bet. Up to $1,000. You just make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't hit, guess what? You get another bite at the apple to win big. You got same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, you name it. Deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's safe, secure, and most importantly, reliable. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-522-4700. And my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is going to be Atlanta to win the NL East. You can still bet on futures. It's plus 400. I really like the payout on that. Now, I think they're currently like six and a half games back of the Mets and the Mets have Jacob DeGrom back. He's finally healthy. He's doing big things again, but I like some of the moves that Atlanta made at the deadline. Interesting. I think they're kind of surging. And remember it was, I think June 1st, the Mets had a 10 game lead in the NL East and it's, it's slowly dwindled, but at the same time it's, it's in play. And so for the payout plus 400, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. I do want to talk some more about the series uh, coming up, but really good question in the chat because we were talking about Ellie Harris Montero uh, and and his impact as a rookie, getting some more playing time with guys banged up uh, and and players just in general being unavailable. Thomas Ashley asks, do we see any of the Rockies' top prospects get some big league time during the rest of the season? Now, if we're just talking on the best and brightest prospects, it's really only Ezekiel Tovar that's in double A. Maybe you want to throw Michael Tolia's name in there. You've got your Aaron Chunks, Brenton Doyles, etc. Ryan Valade, we know, is in is in AAA right now. Uh, but for you guys, is there anyone that you uh, might see get that opportunity that Ryan Feltner got last year? If you recall, he was supposed to be added to the 40-man roster or else he would have been exposed to the Rule 5 draft. And instead of waiting for November to roll around, they said, you know what, let's call him up in September, make a couple starts, get his feet wet, and they went that route. Could the Rockies do that with any other prospects you could see here uh, in the final eight weeks of the season? Um, forty man uh, guys not on the forty man. Um, maybe a Winton Bernard. I personally, I kind of hope he does, just because that would be a yeah, great we all story. Do, right? It would be, yeah. Um, but the problem is with the Rockies; they already have. Even with Chris Bryant out, they arguably have too many outfielders. So unless some kind of other injury happens or they decide they do want to add another outfielder, which I'm not so sure that they will, um, I would like to see him. Tovar, I, I'm thinking more and more that's not going to happen, especially since he's still out. So, I mean, had it been okay, they trade Jose Iglesias and Trejo or Hampson is a temporary fill-in until Tovar comes up in September. Okay, maybe. But I I don't think they want to test it too much. Essentially, start his... Uh, let's start his service time in a year that we aren't doing well and he's injured and it's like, why would the Rockies decide to do that at least at this point other than fan interaction of which that it would do if they brought up Tovar hey maybe we should pay attention a little bit more no I I agree I agree with Noah completely I mean a a Wynton Bernard would be fantastic and and you know it might go under the radar for those who don't really follow the miners or follow the Rockies but for those of us who do it would be awesome to see him up there and and he's, he's deserving of a shot 
I mean, he absolutely is. With the numbers that he's been putting up in AAA, he absolutely deserves it. And and I I admit, I thought that Tovar would be a guy that we might see at the end of the season. But like, no, I think that it, that that's dwindling fewer and fewer. And I don't see a Tully or anybody else just because much like you've got too many outfielders, you've also got too many corner infielders. And I think they're trying to figure out what to do with Montero right now, let alone add Tolia to that mix. Now, should an injury happen or should something else go go awry that we don't see? Possibly. But I think Tovar is the best, and that's a long shot by far. I think that's one of the the hiccups in the trade deadline, and, and I want to get to that in our, in our final segment because uh, you gentlemen, have, I, I know, have uh, a couple of things to say about that, especially if you subscribe to the Rock Rocks Pile podcast. I mean, you guys did a fantastic job, you know, recapping that, hitting it from all angles. But that's another one of those angles here in this, too, is, you know, they brought back pretty much the entire team from 2021. And, you know, you, sw- you swap out your story and, and John Gray for Chad Cool and Chris Bryant, a few other guys, you're going to probably do it again next year. doesn't really leave a lot of room for, as, as we've been saying, you know, some corner outfielders or corner infielders. You can say, well, maybe Aaron Schunk. You know, he's still down in double-A, but you go, all right, he's a second-base guy. and can play maybe play a little third base in a, in a pinch. You know, maybe he could be uh, the, the latest version of a, of a Garrett Hampson, so to speak, maybe with a little less speed. But there's really nowhere for him to play on the diamond because of, of the guys that are currently on the roster that you would look and say, Hey, hold on. This guy's pretty good. I don't, I don't know if I want to give an opportunity over someone like Daza, who's still trying to develop and things of that nature. So uh, there definitely is, is somewhat of a log jam uh, in that capacity. Now on, on Saturday night, Rockies did get their one win of the series three, two victory uh, Montero. That was where he had his first home run and his first career ride in the laundry cart. I mean, He's he's got one of the best smiles on the team right now. Just seems so happy to be in the majors. Is 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 that coming through as well? Like I feel like Connor Joe last year, everyone got on the Joe bandwagon because he just exuded some kind of energy. I feel like the same is true for Montero right now. I do too, and I think that Rockies fans want Montero to get playing time, and they want him to succeed. And let's be honest. He's getting playing time at the right time with the Cardinals coming into town next week because you know that's going to be an underlying theme of what we see at Coors Field early next week is can Montero do some damage against his former team and all the storylines that go in there. But I think it is a positive development. Uh, There's a lot of negatives out there. There's a lot of grumbling. But the fact that Montero's getting playing time and he's actually succeeding in that playing time uh, I definitely think that that's one of the, the positives of the past week by far. Yeah. I mean, with my, uh, just in general, we were talking about the record with today. They're what five and 13 since the break. So obviously things aren't going well in general and that Montero just happens to be one of those things that is working. Yeah. So, and like we said too, hopefully he will keep getting that playing time and, It'd be really nice for Rockies fans to see him do that against the Cardinals and with all the other festivities of Pujols and Molina. And um, I, I was told today that apparently uh, Joshua Fuentes, cousin is on the Cardinals. I didn't know that, but, um, but yeah, apparently we'll have a, a Fuentes family reunion at Coors Field. Um, we'll have to see on that though. We'll have to see. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna... And I'm going to have to look into this whole business about Montero and Arenado and like there's some kind of connection that will be facing off yeah. this week. This is good stuff. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely make sure that we point that out at some point this week in the DNVR Rockies podcast. Yeah, Wait, that that's be- his name? I, I didn't realize that was his name. I'll, I'll have to do more research on him. So like yeah. I said, I just know him as Joshua Fuentes' cousin. So Yeah, we'll we'll talk off air. We'll, we'll get that sorted out. Now, McMahon on Saturday, homered and stole a base, first time in his career doing that in the same game. Rare, somewhat, maybe not. Uh, only the third time this year, Connor Joe, Sam Hilliard have all done that. Of guys on the active roster, who would you guess has the most games of having a home run and a stolen base in the same game? Hmm. The number's only four. Someone has four, someone has three, and you only have a couple guys uh, with, with one. So there's only four players right now on the active roster who have homered and stolen the base in the same game which I was a little bit surprised by. I would have thought there might be a little bit more than that. 
That's a good one. I like that a lot. Uh, I'll go Daza. Why not? Uh, Daza has not done it, but he would have been on my list. He oh, would have been on my list originally. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with the guy that has uh, the uh, sneaky pull pop, Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson is second on the list. He's done it three times in his career. There you go. Okay. Now, Connor Joe and Ryan McMahon all, all had one. And so we're, we're missing the guy that, again, he leads, Charlie Blackman. he leads this list. No, not Charlie Blackman. He leads this list, and yet he doesn't get a lot of uh, action right now this season. He's having a rough year. Sam Hilliard. He's done it four times oh. in his career. How about that? Interesting. How about that? I thought that was kind of interesting, right? That is good. I like that. Now, it's happened 233 times in Rockies history by 68 different players in a single season. Cargo did it nine times once uh, in a year. Larry Walker, eight times. All-time for career, no surprise. Larry Walker, 24. Cargo, 21. Can you? There's four other guys that I got on the top five because they're tied. Cargo and Walker are right off the top of the, of, of the dome. But who else – would be in the top five. Isn't Chuck up there? I mean, I, I'm going to steal off Noah. He's not. He's not. No, he's not. Surprisingly, I, I, I don't know how he, he wasn't on the list at all. Interesting. He's never done it. According. You mean never? I, oh, I did miss him. He's done it ten times. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot Come more on, sense. Patrick. I'm like, wait, hold on. I can talk and think at the same time. I think. You know what? Because when you're looking at all-time lists and you're seeing like Larry Walker, Carlos Gonzalez, all the legends, Charlie Blackman, you're like, yep, all the legends. All right, but what about active players? Sorry, Chuck. Maybe Trevor Story? Trevor Story would be on that list. Yeah, he's done it 11 times, tied with Ellis Burks. Hmm. Active. And DJ LeMahieu? Yeah, I was going to go DJ, actually. That's not bad. Uh, LeMahieu, I'm seeing on the list. He only did it twice during his career. But tied for third most all-time. Dante Bichette did it 14 times. And I was very surprised by this, but I'm forgetting the young version of this player, very young version, Todd Helton. I was a little bit surprised that Todd Helton, 14 different times, homered and has stolen base. That's interesting. You don't think of Todd Helton as fleet of foot, but uh, early in his career, you're right. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's famously known for not having plantar fasciitis. I think that's did did, did, no, did no one ever do that? I'm curious. Uh, I think twice. Okay, I think I think he was on the list for twice. not fleet of foot. Yes, yes, uh, twice. Period. Okay, yeah, fifteen and sixteen uh, is is when go. he did it. So there you go, Matt Holiday eight times. That was a little bit surprising. Andres Galarraga again. He's a guy who kind of sneaky. Now he wasn't quick, but he stole some bases. He did it ten times, so he's actually tied to Charlie Blackman. I don't think you'd put those two guys when you think about Homer and speed combos. Charlie Blackman and Galarraga—they're tied. That's very interesting. Did Ian oh, did Ian Desmond ever do it? Uh, he is he is one of those sixty some players who have uh, who have done it. Twenty seventeen in the first year, he did it once. So the first year, yes. Didn't, he could not catch Terry Shumpert's two, two times doing okay. that. So Terry, Terry Shumpert always said bar high, man. Always did. Always. He's always won Nacho Not as high as Kit Oh, now, now you're talking my language right there. <laughs> this is some quality off-season talk getting to the weeds. But look, you don't, you do not want to be in the weeds when you're golfing. We know that. So Whoa. Colorado Golf Association, they uh, come join over 70,000 golfers with the CGA today and receive an official USGA handicap with worldwide access to score posting, GPS tracking. Membership means more at the Colorado Golf Association. Members get an opportunity to play exclusive courses around the state, such as Aspen Glen Club, the club at Ravina, and the Pinery and more. Members, you also get access to exclusive membership content uh, with offers and discounts from national and local companies, including Imperial Golf Tech, PGA Tour, Superstore, all that and more. Learn about more. Learn more about Colorado Golf Association today by visiting coloradogolf.org and use code DNVR to get $5 off your membership. You can get 10% off with code DNVR at FOCO, F-O-C-O. Get all the Stanley Cup Finals gear. Uh, get Again, you're going to get 10% off with that code DNVR for all non-presale items. 
whether you're you're an Avs fan listening to this or you want to get some of the Rocky City Connect business, or if you're like Noah in Ohio and you're you're getting pumped up for the Columbus Crew, actually I can't confirm if they have any Columbus Crew bobbleheads. But if anyone were to have it, it would be foco.com, F-O-C-O.com. Starting pitching has been a little bit better here. Is it is it the starting pitching or is it the level of competition? Freeland kind of got it kicked off. He was just a little bit short on Thursday of a quality start there, getting removed in the sixth inning when things got a little out of hand in San Diego. But you had a quality start from Herman Marquez, who – uh, on Friday, six innings pitch, two run runs, 3.58 ERA over his last six starts. You like that? 28 strikeouts, fine. 11 walks, not so good. Senzatella, seven innings pitch, two run runs. And then you got a good start out of Jose Urania today. I don't know if we're excited necessarily about the rotation, but look, when you play a team like the Diamondbacks, this is what you should do at the least. So that is a positive going forward. One of the discussions we had with Bud Black in Milwaukee was with, okay, especially after they lost the first three games of that series, was, okay, what do fans have to look forward to the rest of the way? And why do you think this is a team that could get into the playoffs? And that was his answer was the rotation. I, 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 he essentially said all of our guys, I think, can pitch better but we can't have the slip-ups. Now, there's been some, like with Chad Cool, and now he's on the injured list. But the problem that the Rockies have had is just getting that consistent pitching. Can Kyle Freeland have a start that's uh, like the start that he just had, but can he string 10 of them together? It's not just these, oh, one start... one step forward, one step back. Let's take five or six steps forward. And then, okay, maybe you can afford to take a step back. Like, for example, with the Dodgers. Okay, sure. Because they're always winning. They can take 10 steps forward. And, oh, if they have a week where they go two and five, they're perfectly fine. The Rockies aren't in that position. And that's why they are where they are. Well, I, I think our, our mutual friend Patrick Saunders said it real well this morning in his Denver Post article because he talked about the hot and cold uh, that there has been with Freeland and Marquez and Senzatella. And, and those are guys that they are really looking to be that core moving forward. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Chad Cool, uh, Austin Gomber, is he going to be a bullpen or a starter guy? Uh, you know, Rainey is a question mark. Uh, you know, Feltner obviously has a very uh, bright future, I think. But they need those top three guys to pitch like their top three guys and consistency. I think that's the thing. And if you look at some of the TV cutaway shots of Bud in the dugout, uh, you know, he's perplexed, uh, you know, and, and I think we all are. What is it going to take for this team to string together that Herman Marquez pre-All-Star look, that Kyle Freeland 2018 Cy Young look? What's that going to look like? And, and I think they're still searching for that. Yeah, as you point out, Ryan Feltner, back up uh, quite possibly for the remainder of the year because I'm not sure that he has any options. This is something – this is a new wrinkle with the new CBA. Like you got to pay attention to the amount of options because previously you could just be up and down on I-25, you know, a billion different times, and now that's not the case. Uh, as we, as we kind of saw with Ashton Godot, who is designated for assignment, he is back with the team in triple a uh the reason feltner is up chad cool on the injured list with uh, a hip flexor situation going on there 15 day il and godot the reason he was designated for assignment and why chad smith was sent back down to triple a was rockies picked up denilson lamette from the milwaukee brewers and previously a couple hours before that the san diego padres uh i i don't know if i don't think you guys have, have discussed it quite yet on the podcast but Denilson Lamette, is this uh, intriguing? I'm sure it's at least intriguing, right? You caught lightning in a bottle with Jose Urania. Can you do it again with another former Brewer cast off? It, it's intriguing for sure. I mean, it's a low risk, high reward proposition. If if uh, he's unable to perform, they didn't lose that much already. Because as you said, they didn't lose Goudeau. He's just now down at AAA. So I, I think it was a good move by the Rockies. I think that if you're going to do a move during deadline week and sit there during the deadline, 
this is not a bad recovery move uh, for Bill Schmidt. Of course, we'll see how it if it pans out. Uh, and I guess he's going to, you know, I would not be surprised if he gets some looks this week at Coors. Obviously, they're going to need him to this week. Yeah, I two years ago, he came in fourth in the NL Cy Young Award voting. Yep. Fourth. And it's yep. not like that was a decade ago. Like, okay, with the Rockies, uh, another less obscure name, but obscure name in Rockies history, Jamie Moyer. Jamie Moyer was a great pitcher in 2002, but when they had him in 2012, it, he was a bit past his prime. Lament, at least, in 2020, granted it was a shortened year, but in 12 starts, he had a 209 ERA. And he was striking out more than 12 batters per nine innings. And this is the key. He was striking out, uh, he was only walking I should say 2.6 batters per nine innings this year. It's 6.6. So that's been part of his issue. And he's had, if you look at some of the other numbers, he's had some bad luck, but it's still nowhere near where he was just two years ago. Now it's a matter of, can he be healthy and can he actually know where the ball is going most of the time? And that's been another issue with the Rockies of, okay, we have some of these guys that can pitch well or even position players that can play well, like with Chris Bryant. Okay, we know they can play well, but can we keep them on the field and have them stay healthy? And that was one of the keys with the rotation is, okay, if they all pitch up to what they're capable of, sure, they could be a good rotation, but can they stay healthy and they can, can they be consistent? And that's essentially what they have to find out with Lamette. And one thing about Lamette, he's, he has not fared fairly well at Coors in the three times that he's pitched there. He has an ERA of over six uh, in 10 innings pitching at Coors. So he's definitely going to need to figure out things about pitching in Denver if he's going to last with the Rockies. So what I'm hearing is there is potential for him to be an eighth inning guy with the Dodgers in a year or two. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yes, okay. I think that's right. very fair. I think that is yeah. very fair. So that's a good that's a good signing. Then is what I'm hearing. Then that that works out really nicely. Okay, I will go even further and say that Denelson Lamette, if he does not pan out with the Rockies, he will win the 2024 NL Cy Young Award with the Dodgers. With the Dodgers, book it. Um, <laughs> another piece of news uh, that came out this week, uh, besides obviously uh, the signing of of Lamette there, uh, Brian Jones, uh, a guy from uh, Oklahoma. Right, your your neck of the woods there, Kev. Uh, hired as the new director of analytics. Not really sure how this is going to work, but he's been with the organization for a while and uh, uh, has been in charge previously as the team's video coordinator. I think he's going to keep that role in addition to kind of taking on the duties in analytics. Uh, no word on if there's someone's going to be assisting him in the video coordinating area so that he can focus more on the analytics. Uh, they're going to kind of sort those things out, but uh, they did get the ball rolling at least with appointing someone to that position since Scott Van Lenten uh, left the organization. And, and as Nick Grove pointed out in that article, when, when he mentioned that, you know, this is a guy that is trusted by everybody in that dugout. This is the guy who tells Bud whether it's time to do a replay or not. So he's already earned the trust internally. It's the matter of, I think, as you just said, how much is he going to be spending one versus the other? And what will that actually look like a year from now? Uh, I think I'm going to be real curious to see. And is it going to be something that they're going to actually build up that department? Or will it just be that they're going to take pieces from inside and kind of piecemeal it together? And that, that that's a double-edged sword where I think it's good that he has the trust of the guys. And he's been with the Rockies in general since, I believe, 2002. Um, and he's been their video coordinator I believe since 2006. So that's great that he has the trust, but a, will he be able to balance both of the jobs and B, will he have the, essentially, will he have it where, okay, I can say I, this needs to happen. These changes need to happen. And it's not just the same old, same old. And that's been the problem with the Rockies in general in recent years of what has, what has changed? 
And with the exception of Arenado leaving, Story leaving, other players leaving, there really hasn't been much coming in. That's a great time to say, to talk a little bit about that, that trade deadline. Uh, things not changing, right? One trade uh, between the last two trade deadlines, too, which is uh, something I haven't seen compiled together. We know the Rockies are the only team you know, did not make a trade at this trade deadline. They only made the one last year, so that's one in two years. There's also a graphic that recently came up. Uh, I believe I saw it on Saturday that it was since 2017, all the trades that teams have made. And that also includes uh, some smaller deals where like sometimes when you pick a guy up that was designated for assignment, you trade him for cash consideration. So there are other kinds of logistical trades that we don't really think of as a player for a player or prospect. Um, that are included in trades, but the Rockies least amount of trades in all of baseball, only 25. And there were 25 teams that had made twice as many trades or more. The Rays have almost made five times as many. So they're the outlier, but even still, just to think that a majority of baseball, 25 teams in MLB have made twice as many trades as the Rockies. And 2017, if you're starting from then, you're also talking about a period of time in which Rockies were good. They were they went to back to back postseasons and they only made uh, I believe three trades, a couple acquisitions. Actually, there was four because uh, the Drew Butera, Sungwano, Jonathan Lucroy, Pat Nishek. So there was four in there. They got creative in other capacities, um, but same old, same old. Unfortunately, and I think we could have a little bit of history repeating itself here uh, in an unfortunate way. Hopefully, it, it isn't not going to be as bad as what we saw in 2012 through 2015, what preceded the back-to-back postseasons, those teams from the early 2010s lost the combined 94 games. Uh, They weren't trying to, but they did. This team is is better than that, but still um, it it is frustrating. I know you guys talked a lot about it. If you've, if you've already been listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast all week and, and heard some of our breakdown from last week, you are, you're still not wasting your time in any capacity to get these guys takes knowing Kevin hit it from every single angle uh, in a really great way because you guys know what you're doing. But now that it's been a couple of days since that podcast and since that recording, any any new thoughts or anything else that's come out that you've kind of reflected and gestated on to say, man, I, I keep keep harping on this one thing or ah, I just realized something new. What, what else is out there with this same old, same old type of, of attitude at the trade deadline? Personally, I because I – Bill Schmidt was in Milwaukee when I was there and I was the only semi-regular traveling media member that was at least writing media member that was there. Um, So I talked with him and we talked for probably about 10 minutes or so. And a little bit more than I would say probably six or seven minutes of that was recording it. The rest, we were just talking baseball and the thing uh, the thing that I took away from that was he uh, he was definitely looking at some trades, but essentially he had said it kind of depends on what we do here, uh, what the team does here in the next week, week and a half. And they obviously didn't play well, but it almost was kind of like he was like a deer in the headlights. And I, I hate to say that, but it kind of seemed like that's what it was of, okay, we know that we really aren't in a buying situation, but we still like these guys. And we like with Tovar, how we mentioned how, okay, he, with being on the injured list down in the minors, he might not be ready. So we'll have to keep Iglesias. And we don't think we have enough depth in the minor, in the bullpen. So we aren't going to trade Estevez or Colome. And we're going to extend Bard because we like him. It was... Like I said, it was almost like a deer in the headlights of like, crap, the trade deadline's here. And every, it's almost no like every trade deadline. Is broke. everything is broke, so fix nothing yeah. in a sense. Yeah. 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 And, and I, the problem. And, and I do wonder, and it's a, it's a huge what if, but if Tovar had been healthy, would they have dealt with Glacius? Yeah. I, I really do wonder that. And, and I think that that, Probably of all the trade ships you're looking at, Iglesias was the one that I think I was looking at as surely they'll do something here because you know that they could build a bridge with a Trejo or a Hampson or whatever it is 
to get Tovar up, but now with Tovar still, you know, uh, not able to play, I think that that kind of forced the hand a little bit there. And I think that if you look at what the Red Sox did, it's trade deadline as well. You know, they were just as confusing as the Rockies, even though they made moves. You know, yeah. they were a buyer and a seller. So I, I think that, you know, talking to some of my friends who are Red Sox fans, they're as frustrated with the trade deadline as those Rockies fans are with a team that did absolutely nothing as well. And look at the yeah, aforementioned Brewers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they traded Josh Hader. That was and a, they said, yeah. okay. And it was just like Jerry DePoto, Rockies legend Jerry DePoto, that is, um, of, okay, we're going to trade our closer at the trade deadline, but we have all these other deals that we plan on doing as well. But they never happen. So in the end, it looks like, okay, we're actually selling, even though we're in first place, and now they're not in first place. Yeah. I think Orioles fans are probably frustrated too, because again, you've got that situation where they're kind of, they're contending for a postseason spot and they they're subtracting rather than adding or even staying put. You could even theoretically say, Hey, you know, we're going to stay put. We've got some, some additions to be made from our organizations. We've got some young guys that we're going to bring up to inject some life. So you can understand that. But ultimately what will really kind of, I'm not gonna say have the most impact, but, you know, time will tell, you know, in a year or two from now, Orioles fans might look back and say, you know what, that was okay that we didn't go after it because we made the postseason in 23, 24, whatever it may be. It's, it's, it's the start of something there. So if it ends up working out, you can look back and go, you know what, I can kind of give them a pass. I was very much upset at that time, but I'm okay with that. It'll be interesting to see for Rockies and, and, and Rockies fans, again, looking back because and, and not to sound like a broken record, but that was what I wrote about on the DNVR.com is that that 17 and 18 club, you could look back and say, well, could we have, you know, some different personnel? Could we have better players? Could we have a better minor league system that we could trade from? Had we done something in 12, 13, 14, 15, but they didn't. So, you know, time will really be the, the great arbiter of, as, as far as whether or not, you know, the moves that the Rockies did make or didn't make you know, we're, we're good. Um, and it's, it's hard to say that it's good necessarily because, you know, nothing happened. They, they didn't get better in, in any fronts in this, any sense. And one thing that I, I don't remember, remember where I saw it. Um, so I, I, this was not my original thought, but with the, with the Rockies of, okay, they say that we're at, we're a team that drafts and develops what everyday player have they drafted in the last six years that has panned out and made it to the major leagues. The last one I would say is probably Brendan Rogers and he's proving that just this year. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Baseball America had a graphic about, uh, I, I think it was maybe either the opening day roster or players who've, played the most or just kind of picking in general, you know, who their starters are. And it, it showed, you know, the original organization of that team and, and, and to go back half a step draft and develop. I think we also know that it's, it's international sign, international free agents that you sign and develop it there. There, it includes those players as well, but in this baseball America graphic, the only, there was only one Colorado Rocky logo on the Rockies diamond because they haven't necessarily been developing their own players. They've been getting them elsewhere. Charlie Blackman was actually the second because uh, he wasn't on the diamond. He's the DH. And then Jonathan Dawes in center field. Everywhere else you look, you know, you've got guys that were originally signed or drafted by another organization. So, I mean, I, I can't argue with that point, Noah, as, as far as them developing their own guys, uh, at least as of recent. And case in point, look at that 2016 draft. We mentioned Rodgers in the 2015. 2016, they drafted Riley Pint fourth overall. The Dodgers had two first-round picks. And who did they draft? They drafted Gavin Lux with the 20th overall pick and Will Smith with the 32nd overall pick. What did the Rockies get? They got Pint and they got Robert Tyler. Not many people have heard of Robert Tyler. Because he's not even with the Rockies anymore. He last I think he retired them. a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. He and then Tommy Doyle might have been the third pick that year. Yeah. 
Tyler had an 816 ERA in what was then called Advanced A in what was then the Rockies affiliate in Lancaster. And that was the last year he pitched, 2019. So. Yeah. You know, I, the draft and development thing, I think, is something that, you know, Bill Schmidt first brought up last year into the season in Arizona whenever we had the end-of-the-year press conference with him. Uh, you know, and, and it's been a theme that has been through. And I wonder how much is really that. Kind of like whenever he said that they, the Rockies were the only team to sign somebody to an extension at the deadline, and, and it wasn't accurate. So I, I truly wonder how much of the draft and develop is really accurate for the Rockies as well, because as you pointed out, I saw that same graphic and it was very telling that there were so few Rockies logos on the diamond. It may have been when they they unveiled the name of McGregor Square that uh, there were some speeches that were made there. And the one word that was mentioned a couple of times was mercenary. And I think the Rockies draft and develop model is really, uh, uh, again, it, it sounds more specific than it is. I think the better, better terminology or phrase, if you will, is avoid mercenaries. They don't want to be one of those teams, you know, like the Yankees are, are one of those teams, even the Dodgers, where they go out and they get other teams players that are really brought in to do a job and win a championship. And it's not like, it's us. It's our group. It's our it's our gang of of guys that we like, you know, behind the scenes and uh, and whatnot. And so, you know, they they've done that. They've they've signed Chris Bryant. He's a guy that's outside, but you know that there's been that tether of, hey, we, we scouted you in high school. We know what kind of person you are, so we think you're going to fit into this family. So you're not a mercenary in that capacity of we got to add this person at all costs, even if they might be bad for the clubhouse or they might be a bad person you know, outside of baseball, they really want to make sure that they are cautious about that and who they bring in. Uh, and so when you draft and develop people, you can really weed out those bad apples in a sense and in a lot of different ways. And um, it's, uh, it, it hasn't, it hasn't produced uh, a lot of championships, unfortunately, but that is, uh, that is how things are going to continue to roll here going forward, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of folks are saying, sell the team, fire this person, do this. It's not going to happen, you know, and I think that's something that we have to understand as members of the media and Rockies fans have to understand as well is that as long as this current, uh, you know, template is in place and it's not going to change, it will take something happening for it to change. So this, this is who your team is. And if the Rockies make a run next year, what will they do at the trade deadline? If they're actually in a position to buy, I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating things to see right there, actually. Would they be willing to trade some of these prospects if it meant that they had a chance to push into the postseason? We didn't get to see that this year. Will we next year? I don't know. With the Rockies, essentially, and it's been very interesting to see in the last five years of what was uh, what was the number one thing, at least in my opinion. I want to see if you guys have the same thought process of in 2017 and 2018 what was the mantra of okay what what areas do we need to address what do you guys think it was that's probably just the bullpen bullpen i mean they they had a a strong offense um that struggled at at times with runners in scoring position uh they had the good young starting pitching that was controllable so it's it's not a glamorous answer, but I, I felt like bullpen was the one area that they were really pointing to, even though they had spent over a hundred million dollars on the super bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. Which and that's that's kind of similar to what I'm thinking, is secondary talent, P, uh, yeah. players that n- are not necessarily the superstar player, because you had Arenado, you had Story, you had the prime of Charlie Blackman. Now what do you have? You don't have any of those superstar players, and the one that you do is injured in Chris Bryant, and now all you have is secondary talent, and that's uh, that's part of finding the identity of the team is, especially while Chris Bryant is injured. Okay, who is our kind of superstar guy? Ask anybody outside of the Rockies realm, and there'll be. I couldn't tell you a player or 
oh, I've heard of CJ Krohn because he was on the Twins or the Tigers or the Rays or the Angels. Okay. Who else? Uh, well, I know DJ LeMay who used to play there or Arnado used to play there or Story used to play there. Or it's Brian. Oh, okay. I know who Chris Brian is. He won the World Series with the Cubs in 2016. But I haven't heard much of him re- lately. Yeah. And because one, he's in Colorado, and two, he's injured. Chris Bryant, this season, I had the, I had the exact number memorized. Not that it's a very big number, but it was how many games he'd play. I think it's forty-two. I think it's I think it's stuck at forty-two. Is that right? I'd be yep. curious to know if there are forty-two or more Chris Bryant jerseys or or, or shirts at the ballpark. So there's there's more more of his representation. Uh, in the ballpark than there is of, of how many times he's been on the field. You've got me thinking here, Noah, that I thought that the the biography of the 2022 Rockies that Kevin and I co-write was going to be called Grounded into a Force Out, the story of the 2022 Colorado Rockies, maybe called Secondary Talent, the story of the yeah. 2022 Rockies. I'm not sure. All right, let's let's wrap up on this kind of a high note because it's it's a little – Frustrating, obviously, for fans to say, hey, look, nothing's going to change um, in, in those major ways that they like. But what about this? Sometimes to get through the fire, you just got to go right through it to get to the other side. Are we halfway through the fire? Four consecutive losing seasons. Are we at that point in which, okay, you know, if it, if it ends up going to, to seven consecutive losing seasons or seven years without going to the postseason, well, hey, we're kind of we're almost on the other side once we finish this season. Are we at least maybe halfway there? Maybe. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think we we keep expecting Zach Bean and Drew Romo and everybody to ride in on a white horse and save the day. But last time I checked, those guys weren't pitchers. So, you know, who's gonna be the other half of that component? Uh, I, I have full faith in these guys that are coming up in the minors that they're going to be an impact players for the Rockies. But I think that they the franchise has to make sure that there's impact players on the mound as well to come up at that same time. Right, so Kevin Henry said maybe and probably if you turn Veen into a two-way player because we need pitchers, okay? Got you know, a response? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Gabriel Hughes played first base, so okay, I'm pretty sure we're talking a player. So, um. Before Kevin said his answer, I was going to say yes. But yeah. you make a very good point. Can you get that consistent pitching? So I'm going to change my answer and say no. Wow. Kevin, why did uh, why did you do that? When did I turn into the pessimistic guy of the crew? It's amazing. I tell you I know. Oh, you're the optimistic guy of the crew. You're saying maybe. maybe. I'm saying not. <laughs> you were a solid maybe. I love that. Solid yeah, maybe. I, I, I yeah. I think we're probably at maybe to yes. Um, again, just just look at the history of the franchise, kind of just how things work out, and and I think, for better or worse, if you put team out on the on the field that is has a roster similar to what the Rockies have put out in the last couple years, with a third wild card, you can kind of sneak in, right? You can get that lightning in a bottle and maybe get in with 84, 85 wins, and so you know they're going to have those those opportunities to do that. Those young guys are going to come up. You know, since Attell and Freeland are going to be around for a while, you know, maybe they can, again, just pick up guys uh, off off the trash heap a little bit on one-year deals or if they get waived and and maybe they can find something. Uh, it remains to be seen how that happens, but I think I think, I think, think we'll, we'll settle for a maybe on being halfway through the fire there on this. Uh, this week, if you guys uh, got a podcast coming, have you recorded it yet or are you waiting for the big series against the Cardinals? Waiting the for the ladder. Cardinals. Yep. Yeah. Waiting for the Cardinals. I think uh, it'll be real interesting to see how they do the first part. And then again, with those Diamondbacks coming in, I mean, St. Louis is just kind of the appetizer to the main course with Arizona coming in. Let's be honest here. Yeah. I mean, that series with Arizona, that is this not more, uh, is that series not a more important series than 
the game, the the wild card game in 2017. I mean, if if you don't think that that's more important, I, sorry, you're a bad person. That's true. our friend Thomas Harding would call it a relegation battle. That's what it is this weekend. Yes, uh, coming up uh, against the Diamondbacks. But yeah, we'll we'll be talking about it all week long, 11 a.m. on Monday. Uh, we're talking to Katie Wu from the Athletics, so we'll get a little insight there uh, on what's going down uh, with the Cardinals and Paul Goldschmidt, the guy who plays on the other corner of the infield. Uh, someone's cousin, uh, Joshua's cousin. So Katie's going to have some more intel on that. So Noah, just make sure you're listening to us on the DNVR Rockies podcast so you can get that uh, information five days a week. And on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. These guys are at RocksPileFS. And and I appreciate you coming on to try to give us some momentum to start the week because we can use it over here. But, But it's a big but there. Uh, momentum, you know what they say, it's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you guys then. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.